is a consuming fire. He's burning away man's works in the world right now with his fire. And only his works are going to remain in this world.
just gave me this song and he said, this is my song about what I'm doing in the church, burning up man's works. And everything that man has created, everything that he has done is going to be burned up. And God is going to be the king of his bride. And that's what this song is about. There is such an anointing on this song. Oh, release the fire. Oh, release the fire. Oh, release the fire in me. Oh, release the fire. Oh, release the fire. Oh, release the fire.
stubble in hay our God He is a consuming fire All that is shaken will not remain in this place In this place will not remain in this place Holy Spirit Jesus, we just lift our hearts to you. Keep playing that, Helen, for a second. Just let him reveal the works of man and free you. Free you today. When God comes to judge something, he comes to free you from it and correct. When I come to my son, if he's doing something wrong, I come to correct what is wrong. And I tell him the righteous judgment of what is right. God is coming to free you. Keep playing that for a minute. Just invite the Holy Spirit just to reveal. Reveal himself to us. We just want to blow with his spirit and follow him. No man, we don't want to be following men. People have followed men for a long time and they get led into a ditch. You follow men, you get led astray. some new songs this morning and so we'll just let the Lord birth these I feel like the Lord's gonna have us warring with that song because we're a place that's not gonna be built on the works of man it's not gonna be built by man here you understand that the spirit is what's gonna give us life here anything that's built by man can't contain the Holy Spirit it has to be thrown away you got to start from scratch so Holy Spirit, just birth that song in us. Give that song a residence in us. Okay. Holy. <laughs> I tell you, it is. I think it is. I really do. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I think it's going to be. He said he thinks this is going to be an anthem. Holy Spirit, let it be an anthem. Let it be an anthem. Let it be an anthem in our hearts, God, that we won't follow any men but God. God, that we will set our hearts on you as a body and we will not worship man in their gift, God. And what man has built will be torn down and we'll just stand before you and love you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you have won me. You've broken chain with love and mercy you triumphed over death and you are worthy of glory and praise that's the chorus to this song Jesus you have won me let's start the intro are you ready
one grace Grace You've shown me grace You've lifted my shame You draw me with love and kindness You've washed whiter than snow You have redeemed and made me whole in grace shown me grace you've lifted my shame drawn me with loving kindness and washed whiter than snow you have redeemed and made me whole sing Jesus for Jesus you have won me you've broken Jesus, you have won me. Oh, Jesus, you have won me. You've broken every chain with love and mercy. You triumphed over death and you are worthy of glory and praise. Verse 2, love. Shout it out and lift up one voice in worship. 
save, you deliver, you save. Let's sing this bridge together. We shout it out. about intercession and um, it's very important that we understand it because we've got to build this house of prayer I'm committed to it and we've been praying it's not that we have but we really got to go to a whole new level but in Isaiah 62 we had some of our people go to a conference up in Lancaster and uh, the um, one of the speakers shared verse 12 but I want to look at verse 11 because it has to do with what God wants to do in this region. But Isaiah 62, verse 11, it says, Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world. Now, either that's speaking about an ongoing proclamation until the very end, or it's a proclamation to those living at the end of the age or in the last days. I personally believe the latter. Because of what it says, it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Surely your salvation is coming. And we're going to need to say, you know, that's going to be our prayer. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Regardless of what things look like, we have a salvation. We have hope, right? And so our eyes are looking toward His coming, His salvation, and because it's, it's coming near. He says, Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. And the, work, the word work means recompense. And so not only is His salvation near, 
but his judgments, his vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's why I think this is a verse for the end of the age. But then in verse 12, And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. And the speaker at this conference pointed out in verse 12 how this refers to what the Lord showed him, regions of refuge, cities of refuge, neighborhoods of refuge. And that's what we want to be here, right? We want to be a place of refuge where people can come where there's protection, there's the covering of God with a supernatural provision and where a harvest is breaking out. But the two things that's going to have to happen is say to the holy people, we really have to walk in a level of holiness. It's not this religious thing they told us about, but it's a real holiness. You know, I mean, you, without holiness, we will not see the Lord. And uh, the pure in heart will see Him. And so, God, we're asking for that level of holiness. That word was given during the burn by one of the uh, guys that came from Fort Mill. And he saw a foundation of holiness that God will bring forth out of us and in this place. But then also he had a word. He saw a 740 or 737 taking off out of Moravian Falls. I told you about this word. And, but it was about the prayer movement that God wanted to do here. And it was taking off and it would continue to ascend. And he also said that the, the people that would help would be enough to fill a 737. And he said he looked it up and it's either 85 or 235. So I thought, well, we can do a lot of prayer. I mean, you can have 85 folks and you can conquer the world. Did you know they only started with 24 men and 24 women with the 100-year prayer meeting? That's who committed among the Moravians. 24 men, 24 women. They signed up. They, they would lay prostrate for one hour a day to seek the Lord and call upon Him. And then God added to their numbers. And we want everybody to be engaged. Say, be engaged. This is not a congregation where you just get to come and enjoy, you know, whatever, the worship and, you know, kind of enjoy the preaching, whatever. This is not that kind of place. Everybody has to be engaged. You are in the army of God. This is the last days and, and we've got to be about. Whether the last days is a week, ten weeks, two months, two years, a hundred years. We don't know. But we know we're living in pretty unbelievable times. Now look at one more thing. You know, I told the Lord this week, God, you got to hold off on some of this stuff you're showing me. Because I get a message from the Lord and I get fired up about preaching. And then I have my devotion and I see something that just explodes. And i got to preach that too. And so it's like, Lord, how am I going to do all this? How do I say all these things? You can't say it all. But I'm telling you, there's a bunch in there. And uh, I didn't really mean that, you know, Lord, you got to hold back. I don't want him to hold back. But, you know, you got to narrow things down. You got to have a little focus. But look at this. I saw this. Now, Psalm 119, because this has to do with the times we're living, and verse 157. Look over at this. Many are my persecutors and my enemies. And uh, listen, in this time, ready or not, persecutors are coming. If you, if you are serious about prayer, if you're serious about holiness, if you're serious about righteousness, if you even consider it, then you're going to suffer persecution. Some will, will retreat. We're not going to retreat. Because those who set their hand to the plow and they look back, they're not even fit for the kingdom of God. We're not those that are going to retreat, are we? We're not going to look back. I don't care how hot it gets. 
Remember, there's a fire that purifies. And that's what God has promised to be to us. So there'll be persecutors. And then verse 58, I see the treacherous and am disgusted. That verse encouraged me because there are times, I don't know about you, but I get disgusted when I see the level of treachery and deception going on today. I watch very little news anymore. I watch true news or listen to true news. You can't watch it. But I don't even, I don't care. There's so much deception. There's so much propaganda. I even heard, and I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I heard on True News, I think it was Friday, they played a campaign strategy in 1964 of how liberals beat Barry Goldwater. They made him look like the biggest scum on the face of the earth. They made him into a racist. And they had these commercials, and they played these commercials on True News. And it, it was almost exactly the same, same, they even had one of the same guys that did the commercial in 1964 do a recent commercial today. And, and not only did they accuse him of being a racist, they scared the mess out of Americans. I don't know if you remember, but uh, they had this commercial called the Daisy commercial. I, was that it? Daisy girl and they showed America being obliterated by nuclear weapons if you voted for Goldwater and and so they played the commercial in 64 and the commercials going on today and it's almost exact the devil has no different strategy he's got a bar from the same old same old strategy I'm telling you now I'm trying not to get political in this but I'm glad one one candidate is where he is because he's exposing a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. A lot of people we thought were conservatives, they were wolves in sheep's clothing. And I'm not telling you who to vote for, so don't get mad at me. You vote your conscience. You better vote your conscience. Because this is it. This is, this is the most... I don't even know if, if it counts. To be honest with you, I wonder if it's rigged. I don't know about it. I don't care if it's rigged. I'm going to do my duty anyway. Because my God is bigger than any rig. He's big. He's a big God. And I'm telling you, he's going to expose things in this hour. The fire is going to come out. And I know there's no perfect candidate. Forget that stuff. We're, our hope is not in a man or a woman. Our hope is in the living God. But he does use men. He does use them. And so, I don't know. This is an incredible time. But anyway, all the treachery. Anybody else get disgusted or is it only me? Okay, some of you guys. See, you're, you get there too. But look what it says. All right, now I hadn't got to the message, so don't go anywhere. All right, persecutors, verse 58. I see the treacherous and get disgusted. And then look down in verse 60, 163. I hate and abhor lying. I hate it. I despise it. The lies today, it's like that's all you get. That's why I don't watch it anymore. Because it's 24-hour-a-day lying. I got to slip this in real quick. I knew this was coming. When I went to the Soviet Union, yes, it was still the Soviet Union, right before the walls came down. Three times. Three months before the walls came down. Yeah, before the... Was it a coup? How do you remember all this stuff? I, all I know is the wall came down. Okay, but anyway, I'm in the Ukraine. That was an incredible time. But I was in a hotel room. You were not with me. 
And I turned on the TV to see what you could see on a Soviet television station. And it was, it was some kind of children's program, but it was anti-American propaganda. And I remember telling the Lord in my hotel room, I said, God, that's anti-American propaganda. As if he, you know, needed to know. And I heard the Lord speak to me and said, yeah, it is. He said, there's more propaganda in the United States on a daily basis than there ever was in the Soviet Union. And you better get ready for it. And I didn't understand what the Lord meant in that time, but boy, I understand now. It is filled with lies. Now, but look at this. Verse 165. Great peace. Say great peace. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. Not the persecution, not the treachery, not the disgust, not the lying, not the, all the other stuff that's out there. Nothing causes them to what? Stumble. Nothing causes them to stumble. And we've got to be those people. We don't have it all right politically. So don't get mad at me. I know just enough to know I don't know what I ought to know. That's scriptural. Do you know that? That's Bible. But how does it rest in that scripture? But considering the love of God, I am known by him. It's not so much what we know. It, are we known by him in this hour? And it's an incredible time to be alive. But I've got a message. And I've got to impart something. So, Lord, we just ask you for fresh anointing, fresh oil. Lord, thank you for showing us, giving us discernment. And, Lord, you know we could be, uh, you, we really need wisdom. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Lord, especially in this hour, we don't want to create enemies. Lord, this political spirit is big in our nation. And God, I know you're going to come up, you're going to crush that political spirit. I know it. But until then, help us to walk in great wisdom. And uh, Lord, be those that, that promote you above anyone. Because that's what the gospel is. And, and you're our hope. We acknowledge that in this place. We're going to vote. We're asking you, Lord, expose deception. Unrig the rig. But God, we ask you, be glorified in America one more time. And we're going to vote because we're, we're citizens of this nation. You put us here at this time in history. And we're not going to chicken out and sit on the sidelines. And we're going to stand for truth regardless of the price. And Lord, thank you. Thank you. Anybody excited about living today? Thank you, God. This is awesome. We get to live in an incredible time in history. Amen. Now, everybody good? Everybody's good. Oh, man, this is just getting ready to heat up. i got to show you something else because every message builds on one another. And the next week, we're going to turn our youth pastor loose because you're going to get us ready for the next week. You know, we're in the midst of a 40-day fast. Help us. We've got, what, a couple weeks left? And, um, no, what do we do? We have 12 days. 12 days left. And if you've not... Jumped in, jump in, one or two or three or four. That fast ends the day before those meetings, refined by fire with Gerald Murphy. Start. If you guys want to just break out in revival, we'll just support it, okay? It's, that's the plan. I'm telling you. I mean, some of us, we, we don't care. We don't care. We don't have to preach. We don't have to be in the limelight. We don't, we'll just get, man, but we will mentor you. And we will help. We will be fathers and mothers. 
No, I'll be a father, you'll be a mother. Yes. I'm not going to be a mother. Well, well, you know, in a way, I guess we are, but, but just go for it. Dylan, that's why you're in America. You didn't come here just to lead a youth group. You came to be a part of a great move of the Spirit. Great revival among young people that infects the whole nation. Man, we got to have... This is it. This is the time. Okay. Ecclesiastes. I'm going to get to the message, but you got to see this. Ecclesiastes 7, 13. So you'll remember this. Because if you forget it, you could get in trouble, so don't forget. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13. Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. How many of you remember this verse? We read it about a month ago. Surely, or let's go. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider, surely God has appointed the one alongside the other. And we talked about there will be a day of prosperity. There will also be a day of adversity. And they run side by side. Some people are asking, well, is there going to be revival or judgment? What's the answer? Both. Now, we're lining up on the side of revival. But both is going to happen. And they've been appointed by God. And we're going to be joyful in the day of prosperity, in the day of adversity. We're not going to lose heart. Because our God rules and reigns. And we see this also. Isaiah 60. Just one more time. One more verse. This is really foundation from where I'm going. Isaiah chapter 60. Remember this. Arise and shine. Verse 1. For your light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall what? Cover the earth. We're not afraid to say that. We're not going to shrink back. This is not some popularity contest. Darkness is going to cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord, I'm glad for the but there, aren't you? But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The same time of the darkness. Verse 3, the Gentiles, now look what's going to happen because of this. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So what do we have to do? Sit there in the darkness? No, we rise because of his glory that's upon us. And Gentiles, the lost, are going to come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They shall come to you. Your sons and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea that shall be turned to you. The sea of humanity. It's a harvest. I kept seeing something in these corners. I thought maybe we would hang some blanket, something that represented, I didn't know. I just kept seeing for months. There's something in the corners. It's blank. We need something. Finally, it hit me. A fishing net. Put fishing nets. Now, we know it's only symbolic, but we're casting our nets on the other side of the boat. And there's a reason we have fishing nets. I, I'm going to get to it. I'm, I'm about to get ahead of myself. You ever get ahead of yourself? That's how you're beside yourself. You say, I'm beside myself. You got to get back in line. They say that in the scripture. All right, look at this. John chapter 4. I'm trying not to do that. John chapter 4. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9. But notice, you remember, this is the, in the context, 
the woman at the well, and Jesus had need to go through Samaria. Some of you are wondering why you are where you are. You have need to go through where you are. The steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord. Jesus went through. Had, uh, he was thirsty, wearied from his journey, sat at the Jacob's well, had uh, met this woman. Verse 13, And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Speaking of the water that comes out of the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Can I tell you that water is still available today. What you can muster up on your own or what you get from any man or woman will leave you high and dry or thirsty, but I'm telling you what comes from above. What Jesus, what you get from him will satisfy not only your thirst, but enable you to satisfy the thirst of others. God's getting us ready to be those that others run to in this critical time, in this hour. Now, let's just read uh, on, looking down in verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, in other words, she's looking down the road. There's something coming. My hope is down the road. There's something I'm looking forward to. Jesus said, hey, open your eyes. I am he. I'm standing right in front of you. I was, when I read that, I thought, how many times I wondered. We're looking for some answer to come to our problems or to our situation. We're looking for it to come where? Somewhere down the road, some other place and some other time. When Jesus is standing right in our midst, he is the answer we're looking for. He is the one. And he's standing right in front of you. And he's here. Now, we know that. Right before that, he talked about worshiping in spirit and in truth, and we want to be those that do both. We want to worship in spirit and truth. Now look in verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, why do, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, come and see a man that told me all things that I ever did. Did, did he tell her all things she ever did? No. Might as well have, though, because she really, he got to right cut to the case and exposed the deep secrets of her heart. And he, she knew that Jesus had stood before her. And then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said, I have food of which, of eat to eat, of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I, I look at this as, you know, that which will ultimately satisfy us will be doing the will of God. That's what brings the greatest satisfaction and finishing his work. Did Jesus finish his work? Absolutely. He said, it is finished. And before it's all said and done, there will be a church on the earth that also, because he said, even as my father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. There is going to be a church on the earth where it will be shouted that it is finished. The church has done what it's been sent to do on the earth. I believe that with all my heart. Then verse 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white. Say already white. Already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, 
that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Now look over in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to come back there and look at that, but one more verse, or two verses. Actually, three verses, maybe four. I'm trying to add them up. Verse 35, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, because they were weary and they were scattered. They were being harassed, is what that word means, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are what? They're few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Now, there are many reasons that Jesus came to the earth. Why did he come? He came to demonstrate the Father's love, right? John 3, 16, that's where we were, that's where we cut, man. That's, that's, that's where, what we remember, the first scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He came to reveal the Father's love. Another reason he came, he came to destroy the works of the devil. You know that. How many of you are glad for that? He came to wipe them out, destroy them, eliminate them, obliviate. The works of darkness. First John chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. That's his history. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And if you read it in context, what is the, the work of the devil he's referring to? Sin. Sin. The work of sin, we know that it expands to much more. Sickness and all these things that are evil, every bondage, every demonic stronghold. But the greatest is the work of sin. And he came to crush the power and the penalty of sin. Then he also came to give us life. Came to give us life. Remember, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life. And what kind of life? Abundant life. Eternal life and abundant life. And then he came to do the Father's will. Remember he said, it, Behold, it is written of me in the volume of the book. I delight to do your will, O God. And so I believe that was written in the heart of Jesus. If you look at your chest, you may not be able to see it, but I'm telling you, if you know the Lord, it's written in the volume of the book somewhere inside of you that you delight to do the Father's will. And it's what gives you the most delight. Is when you please the Father when you're doing that. And then he also came to give his life a ransom for many. He came to give forgiveness. I am so glad there's no sin that God can't forgive. Now I know there's the blasphemy of the Spirit and those that they, but let me tell you, if you're seeking him, you hadn't committed that. And God loves you and he, he wants you to know there's no sin. God will come and he's already broken the power of sin and he'll break it in your own life. You don't have to be captive. And then he came to set captives free, heal the brokenhearted, give sight to the blind. Now, here's a scripture, and I told you I was going to put it up here. But when you look at the context, I held back a little bit. But I should put it up there anyway, because he's going to do it whether I put it up there or not. In Luke chapter 12, verse 49, he said, I came to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. And he talks about a baptism by which he was baptized with. 
And it's a fire of suffering. It's a refiner's fire that purifies. And then also, you know, he came for one more reason we didn't mention. Anybody remember what it is? Remember Zacchaeus. And he's, uh, you know, Jesus is coming by and he wants to climb up into this tree so he can see. And Jesus comes by and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And so those others around said, look, he's going to be at the house of a sinner. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. And you remember, you remember how Jesus responded? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And I'm telling you, it is the original blueprint. Somebody was leaving our congregation last week. And anyway, I got to share with him real quick. And he was telling me how God had given him a mission. And he got off a little bit from that mission. But he was going back to the original blueprint. And you know, you think about it. Everybody that comes to this church is on a mission. They have a ministry. They have a purpose. They're an intercessor. They're, you know, a missionary. They're in training to be a young revivalist or whatever. I don't know, but everybody's got a ministry. And, but, you know, the church can easily get off the main thing. Now, the folks that went to that conference in Lancaster, they gave me some of the CDs or the, the messages. Yeah, the CDs. I've been trying to listen. They're very, very long. It's hard to listen. But one of them talked about keeping the main thing the main thing. You know what the main thing is about the Christian life after you know Jesus? It's being conformed into the image of the Son of God, right? I was, I mean, that was taught me back at the basic 101. And you young guys, you may have not heard it, but I'm telling you, most of us know that is the main thing. We are on the earth after we've been saved to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And God knows exactly what it's going to take for me to get there. And so he is, he's, he's, he's made out a pattern, a course for my life so that I would be, by the time it's all said and done, conformed into his image. And you can't lose sight of that. But also part of that original blueprint is seeking and saving that which is lost. Now Etienne said last week that come September 1st, the glory is going to be revealed. Remember that? When God sends these kind of guys around here to speak prophetic words, I don't just, I was going to say, I don't just whistle Dixie, but you can't whistle Dixie anymore. You can't, I just saw that they, you can't even whistle it. I saw they just did away with Dixie. It, Ole Miss can't even play that song anymore. You know, all this politically correct stuff. But anyway, what I'm saying, I don't know how I got off of whistling Dixie. When we go home, remind me, I'm going to whistle Dixie in my car loud and clear. They're not going to stop me from whistling Dixie. I'll whistle all I want. I was brought up in Louisiana. Back on track. Okay. Anyway. Etienne. Okay. Something's going to happen September. I believe it. And then there was a word given to us from uh, Gerald Murphy. He, you know, the guy that's coming. That weekend. And he said the seeds that were sown in the summer are going to produce a harvest in the fall. I believe that. Then Bob Jones, his bones. He said, you remember he had this encounter where he died, went to heaven. God sent him back. What did he send him back for? Do you remember? One billion souls. Now he didn't see it, but he touched our lives. He's laying, his bones are laying on this property. What do you think is part of our inheritance? 
part of a billion souls. A billion souls. And then Ruth Ann, I, I don't know where she is today. She may be sick, but she, gave, she made a picture. She's here helping out in the nursery. Probably she's just a servant. Oh, oh, that's great. She's in the coffee bar. But anyway, she showed me a picture. She drew this picture of an angel pushing up a plant, a flower, and it was budding out of the ground. And at first I looked at it. I said, well, that's nice, you know, really nice. And then I sat down. I thought, that was really nice. That was a word of the Lord to me. Wake up. What's wrong with you? That's the picture, isn't it? It was a picture that we're having help in this hour. Angels. And then somebody gave me a book. This is how it fits here, Ruth Ann. Um, Angel Armies, Releasing the Warriors of Heaven. You ought to read this book. It sounds good. It gives all of the... Hey, show that picture around to everybody. But uh, it gives all the reasons that God is releasing an angelic host in the, this generation that's going to war with the church. And when I remember looking at that picture... Part of what he says is God is going to send angels to help the church get refocused on what is really on the mind of God. And that is seeking and saving that which is lost. We're going to go back at the end of the age to the harvest. Say harvest mode. We're going back to harvest mode. Now I'm telling you. There's room for all the gifts, even though we're going back to harvest mode. In fact, that's what the gifts are all about. You want me to prove it to you? Look over in Acts chapter 2. I don't know how we missed it. Well, we didn't. Some of us have been seeing this for quite some time. But now this is it. Now this is cool. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Early Tuesday morning, I had a dream. And in the dream, all I said in this dream, I, I was watching myself, and I said, Come, Lord. And when I said, Come, Lord, in the dream, like a, a mighty rushing wind came and knocked me on my back in the dream. It was a cool dream. I just, Come, Lord. <laughs> And I just fell out, man, I'm telling you. That's all. That's all the dream was. When I'm praying for folks today, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do what I saw in my dream. Come, Lord. And I'm, whether they fall or not, I believe the power of God, the wind of heaven. And our kids are going to come out. We're going to see miracles. But anyway, I've got to get through this. Stay with me. Look down in verse uh, 14. Actually, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says last, say last days. Last day says, God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men will see visions and your old men dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit. They'll be, uh, they shall prophesy. There'll be wonders in heaven, signs in the earth, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. All these things, the sun shall be turned into darkness before the great and the awesome day of the Lord. But then look in verse 21. This is what it's all about. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. And we know that that word is saved, delivered. It means the whole spectrum, all that, that he is. Now I'm going to, I've got to share a dream and then just a few points. And I've shared this dream before. But I, I, this week, God brought it back to my memory. 
And I, I wonder how many forgot it, or maybe you weren't even here. How many of you remember me sharing about Billy Graham, the keys, the Billy Graham keys? I figured you're the only one because you drew that picture that day. So I got to share it again because I got to give them away. And I know the hour is closer for this to be fulfilled. It will happen at Billy Graham's death. But in this dream, Billy Graham had just died. And I heard him come out of a vault. This dream was many years ago. I've shared it many times, but it was always, you know, now we're right at the door. But anyway, I could hear the vault like, and Billy Graham came out. And he was young again. He was like in his 40s. And he, um, you know, you could see those big, bright blue eyes. And he came out and he greeted his son. And that was very significant. He, he greeted Franklin right off the bat. But then he walked around and there was a couple from England that was sitting on a park bench in the dream. And I knew that Billy Graham was going to come and greet them. And I thought, well, this is my opportunity to meet him. So I went and, and sat down by, by Billy Graham, or by the, the couple. And so he came around, he greeted the couple, and then he came to me and stood in front of me. Now I noticed, first of all, in his arms were these big books, big books. Later, as I was seeking the Lord, I believe that represented the book of life. All of those that would be saved, but there were books. One of them, I believe, contained all of those that would, that would be saved or had been saved in his lifetime under his ministry. But there was another book, and I felt like God said, these are those who would be saved at an end-time, last-day harvest, such as we read about over in Isaiah 60. So there he's holding these books. He gets over to me, reaches out to shake my hand. He drops something on the ground. And I reach down and pick it up. It was the keys of Billy Graham. And I held them in the dream. I held the keys. And I always tell people, I woke up, but I believe I would have been courteous and give the keys back. But the key was I gave them. I I held them. I had them. Now, there wasn't one key. So it doesn't mean, oh, you have the mantle. No, there were many keys that represented all at the harvest, the church on the earth after his death, that God would release keys for the harvest at the end of the age. Now, I held those keys. I I told Shirley... How many guys I know would love to have that dream? They'd trade me for that dream with all the dreams they've ever had. You know what I mean? But God chose me. He gave me that dream. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give them to you. Because freely you receive, freely you give. And it tells me, too, a big harvest is coming. And this is how I want to wrap it up. I'm just going to capitalize on those scriptures over in John and then over in Matthew. You can read it, but this is all there. I was going to really go into detail. But number one, the harvest that is coming is His. It's His. He's the Lord of the harvest. And it's His. He's invested in it. He's planned for it. It's His harvest. And He will not also, He will not entrust a harvest to those who will will not properly care and disciple them. So we got to be ready. We got to get ready. We got to turn up the heat around here. We got to be ready to house and disciple the harvest. Number two, the harvest is great. How do you know that? Because he said the harvest is plentiful. Say plentiful. And it means great or large, massive. 
Revelation chapter 7. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations. God loves nations. Nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lord, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then the harvest requires laborers. Remember that? Laborers. Somebody's got to be willing to do the labor. Labor. You know what the word labor means? Work. Work. That's why he said you must work the works of him who sent you while it is day because night is coming when no man will work. And on that day we'll stand before him and we will give an account of the stewardship that he gave us. I'm going to give an account to him. He gave me those keys, but I'm going to give an account to what I did with them. And you're going to give an account on the judgment seat of Christ. But it means to toil. You know, there are some things about the laborers. Number one, he says they are few. There are few of them. And then they must be sent. He says they must be thrust, you know, into the harvest fields. Because that's what, that's what he does. The harbors, the laborers are few. So send forth, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. And the next thing is the harvest requires laborers to be sent. That means to be thrust out. Into the harvest fields. Now, if you've been daydreaming, wake up. Because I'm telling you, one way or the other, one way or the other, God is going to shake the church in America and thrust laborers into the harvest fields. I would rather he do it, you know, as we are volunteering in the day of his power. Than other ways that he could do it. He's going to do it. He's going to thrust them out. Of their comfortable settings. But I vote. Let's be about it now. And just be on fire. If you're on fire. The fire won't bother you. Because you just be in the fire. What? I'm, in, I'm on fire. What kind of fire? It's not bothering me. Boy that was a good song. Joshua sung this morning I think it is an anthem and then he also we got to look we got to lift up our eyes and look at the harvest fields you know most of us we're looking down or we're looking at ourselves. someone told me you look at yourself too much you're going to be awful depressed if you look at other people you're not going to be that impressed but if you look up you're going to be overwhelmed and amazed because of who he is, who your God is. God's going to have a way of getting our eyes off ourself. You know, when we look at ourselves too much, you know what you call that? Self-worship. I'm going to try to draw something from the past, if I can. You guys still with me? I remember Milton Green, and he made this statement one time. He said, the church is look, sitting around looking for the Antichrist to come rebuild a temple while the Antichrist is sitting in the temple right in the midst of them. He said the Antichrist is the personification of self and self is on the throne. Now I know there's going to be a real Antichrist, but I remember that. I said, oh God, 
He's coming to sit on the throne declaring he is God. What if, they, what if he's masquerading as self? There was something to that guy's teaching. As I studied out the scripture, we got to do away with ourself. Who cares about the self? You know what you're supposed to do with the self anyway? Crucify it. That's what it means to follow Jesus. They die to themselves. I remember someone else back in my memory saying, you know what dying to yourself will do to you? It'll kill you. So you're right. It, it'll kill you. Isn't that the plan? So we have America. We have all these churches on every corner. How many have died to themselves? So if God came and shook up the pot a little bit, sent a little fire, then you would know. You would know, right? Okay. Is it going to happen in October, November, December, January of the year 2020? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just know we got to go now because one more thing about the harvest. The harvest is now. The harvest is now. It's the devil that always wants you to look for some future date. Because Jesus in that story, he said, do you not say there are still four months until the harvest? Now, I know what he's talking about. When you plant the seed, it takes a little time for the seed to come out, right? So you got that, that season. you got to add water. There has to be sunshine and then the harvest. But he said, do you not say? I tell you, it is harvest time now. Behold, today is the day. This is the harvest. Now is the harvest. And it's great. And it's about gathering fruit for eternal life. That's the last point. You can read that. In John, about he that reaps, will, or he that sows will reap, and it will reap wages leading to eternal life. Eternal life for themselves, but also eternal life for others. What's most important in this hour? The most important thing is, is that people get saved and populate heaven and depopulate hell. The devil thinks he's going to bring a lot of Americans with him. And if something doesn't happen, he's going to get his way. But guess what? God is on the move. God is on the rise. And his church is going to rise with the glory of God upon them. And we're going to depopulate hell and overpopulate heaven. They tell us we're living in overpopulation. Oh, that's a bunch of bull too. Well, you cannot overpopulate heaven. So let's go for it. So how are we going to do it? We talk about these kind of messages. Now I know corporately, God has kept Billy Graham alive. What is he, 96, 97, 98? 96. He can't live much longer. The odds are against him. The odds are not in his favor. You know, they're just not. And he's, I, he'd be wanting to go on, I'm sure. So when he dies... These, these things are going to kick off for corporate. But why can't we get a head start? Why can't we do the work of an evangelist now so that when that event happens, God, you know, if the Lord is moving about the earth, 
looking for those whose hearts are loyal to Him. What if we already are loyal to Him, doing the will of God, anxious, praying, having 24-hour prayer, worship, the fire's burning, we're winning souls, people are being healed, miracles, signs and wonders. Then all of a sudden the Lord said, well, heck, those people are already ready. I'm just going to go ahead. Pour out my spirit. So, I had to share that dream one more time because a lot of you need those keys. And I need them in my own. I need to stir them up. So, you know, because sometimes they get rusty. And then from time to time in my journey, people would give me keys and I would remember. Oh, I know what that's about. I know what that, that's that dream. Okay. So let's just pray and see how we do this. Well, first of all, if you're watching or you're here without Jesus, let me tell you, this is not the hour, this is not the time in history to wonder if you know the Lord or not. You need to know that you know that you know. And you can know. Because if you confess your sin, if you believe in your heart that God raised His Son from the dead, if you confess Him as Lord of your life, you can be saved. Repent and turn from sin. Come on, bring on the kids. They're, okay. They're good. I want to pray. Is there anybody this morning you say, I don't know that I really am saved. I, I, the Holy Spirit's convicting me this morning, and I need to know that I know Jesus, that I'm right with God, I'm going to heaven. Anybody you say, would you pray for me? Is there anybody... You say, I don't know. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to tell you to come up. I just want to pray. Anybody? Say, I don't know. I don't know. I want to know. I'm tired of doubting. I want to know that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Okay, well, I know there are going to be people watching. The Lord told me this week, you treat every time as if there are people that it'll be the last time they'll ever hear the gospel. And so if that's you in this room and you just didn't raise your hand or you're watching... We're going to pray for people to know Jesus, okay? Is that a good idea? You guys might want to pray that prayer. If you don't really know the Lord, I bet a bunch of you do, but if you don't, you can be saved today. So let's just pray. Pray it out. Pray it and mean it in your heart. Father, just say, Father. Let's all pray it out loud. Father, I need you. And I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of the living God. And that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. And cleanse me. And wash me. So that I can live for you. So that I can spend eternity in heaven. And so that I can serve you the rest of my life. I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. And with fire. So that I could be on fire. And be one of your laborers in this day of the harvest. In Jesus' name. Now, if you want those keys, I'm just going to pray and release them. So just stand up and I'm just going to pray. So by faith, just as in that dream when he came along and he dropped them, I'm going to just pray the angel of the Lord would come along and stand in front of you and, and give you a key. Okay? Now, you know, there are different types of harvest. Yours could be a harvest of healing or miracles. 
you know, we know there's salvation, but there could be other different kinds of harvest. A harvest of righteousness in your family, your generation, your children. I, I don't know. Let the Lord define the harvest for you. There's a harvest appointed to you. Harvest that He has called for you to receive and walk in. So we need those keys. But also, I'm going for the harvest of souls. God, I want to fill heaven with souls. We want to make a mockery of the devil. We want to show him as he is. That he's a defeated foe. That Jesus defeated hell, death, and the grave. Defeated it. He made a public spectacle. Triumphing over every work of darkness. Lord, we just pray right now. I pray and release. Just receive by faith. God, I ask that an angel of the Lord would just walk in front of each person. Stand before them. Some of you, it's not going to be an angel. It's going to be the Lord Himself. You can open your eyes or the eyes of your spirit and the Lord will be standing in front of you. It doesn't matter. The key is offering this key to you so Lord I just release freely I've received freely I give and I declare and release those keys to the harvest that each person is called to I call them up to a higher level some are called to intercession and they've done good the Lord says you will do great this is an hour where great intercessors will be raised up over the earth. Some of them are going to be young children. He said there are miracles that are coming that are going to confound even the church in America. These miracles are going to confound many that go to churches. Lord, just do it. We pray. We release and we receive by faith. By faith, I reach out again and I pick up those keys that were given. And I release them to every person. And I thank you, God, you're doing it. You would not have given me that dream. It was not to entertain me. It was to prepare me. And that, God, you said, if we are real, if we're the real deal, we're going to give it all away. It's not about us. It's about giving it away, equipping the saints. So I just give them those keys. I give them the keys. And I say, come Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I pray for miracles today. Lord, anoint these children as they pray for the sick. God, things that were previously undone, let them be done. Let them be done. Let the, a finishing work happen this morning. Let the power, the anointing be upon them to break yokes, to set captives free, to heal in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it, God. I thank you for it. Now, if you need healing or you want some stronghold broken, listen, listen if you can come to a little child, that means you have the faith of a little child. So you're going to see an answer because God will honor the faith of these children. He's going to use children today in ways that we're going to confound the wise it's going to unravel our theologies. It's going to amaze us how He's going to use children as they pray for us. So come. You need a miracle this morning. Healing. You know somebody that's sick?
whatever it is, we're going to see miracles today as children pray for us. So come, in Jesus' name. just a little shy to pray you reach out and grab their hand put their hand on you or something and, and uh, but let them pray you guys pray and then we're gonna believe God for miracles today in the name of Jesus miracles God miracles release your power come Holy Spirit we welcome you Holy Spirit release your fire today God Thank you, Lord. Oh. 